lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace, Aaron McIntyre, and Todd Erzin. They're here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number if you would like to join us. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email the program. D-E-A-C-E, if you want to make sure it gets to me. That's how you spell the last name. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show over on Parlor at Steve Dace. Our new YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Steve Dace, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. And don't forget, pre-sales are underway for my new book. It's the novella sequel to A Nefarious Plot, A Nefarious Carol. It is out for Christmas, December 15th is when it hits bookstores and Amazon for shipping. Pre-orders are happening at Amazon.com right now. If you want to get your copy to make sure you get it right away when it's released, A Nefarious Carol coming out December the 15th. Pre-orders happening today, right now, at Amazon.com. Thanks for tuning in on the program today. Typical Wednesday order of business, the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation. Daniel Horowitz will be joining us coming up in the final segment of the program. Who knows what topics we will unlock when we play some buy, sell, or hold here at the bottom of the hour. Also want to let you know that if you want to take advantage of that outstanding offer, the school days promotion that's happening with our friends over at Patriot Mobile, that deadline is approaching. In fact, it's coming up on September the 12th. This is an opportunity to support the next generation of freedom-loving Americans. And Patriot Mobile is running this school days promotion until the 12th. You can choose either a free phone or a free month of service when you make the switch to America's only conservative cell phone provider. That's Patriot Mobile. And plus, they won't charge you the hidden fees that the big boys do. And they aren't going to fund a bunch of left-wing propaganda either. Instead, they're going to donate a portion of your bill to Students for Life. So you can get the same reliable nationwide service and support a company that shares your values at the exact same time. Switching is easy. You can keep your phone number, bring your own phone, buy a new one if you want. Just call 972 Patriot. That's 972 Patriot. Uh, and, and tell them the promo code Steve to take advantage of the school day's promotion at 972 Patriot or just go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve if that's easier. Patriotmobile.com slash Steve. And now here's Aaron with a rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Shades of 2016. President Trump held a rally in North Carolina last night. Before the rally began, the campaign handed out signs among which read, this is a peaceful protest and peaceful protester. Clear why both China and the flag burning rioters want Biden to win. They know his policies will be the downfall of America, and they know my policies will lift America. Never forget, they're coming after me because I'm fighting for you. There's a lot of truth in that one. Trump made several promises for his second term, including this one. In a second term, I'll provide school choice to every parent in America. President Trump has been nominated by a Norwegian official for the Nobel Peace Prize, citing Trump's involvement with the Israel-United Arab Emirates peace deal. The White House also announced the U.S. will withdraw a further 2,200 troops from Iraq 
by the end of the month. In other news, pharmaceutical giant AstraZeneca halted phase three trials of a coronavirus vaccine yesterday after an adverse medical response by one of the trial's participants in the United Kingdom. At the time, AstraZeneca made the announcement they did not disclose what that adverse response was. However, a person familiar with the situation spoke to the New York Times anonymously yesterday and revealed that the trial was halted because of something called transverse myelitis, an inflammatory syndrome that affects the spinal cord often sparked by viral infections. Joe Biden has walked back his pledge to enact a nationwide mask mandate, saying it probably wouldn't be constitutional. In the last week, the National Football League, which starts its season later this week, administered over 44,000 tests to nearly 9,000 players and staff members and yielded one positive result amongst the player population. Researcher and epidemiologist Andrew Bostom tallied and reported positive coronavirus cases at several major universities who've restarted in-person learning this fall. In total, nearly 26,000 positive tests have been reported by those universities, with a grand total of zero hospitalizations. And now we've come to the point in the montage where we gaslight. We'll start with New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Donald Trump caused the COVID outbreak in New York. Donald Trump caused the COVID outbreak in New York. That is a fact. It's a fact that he admitted and the CDC admitted and Fauci admitted. Next up is Joe Biden. They would say that you want to uh, defund the police and uh, it seems to be uh, uh, trying to frighten some folks. Uh, can you can you set the record straight on that? I not only don't want to defund the police, I'm the one calling for $300 billion, million more for local police, for community policing. I also think we should add uh, social workers and psychologists help police on 911 calls. The only person calling to defund the police is, is Donald Trump. Look at his budget. He calls for cutting police funding for local, state and local help by $400 million. Once again, he's pathological. ABC News headline, several deaths have been connected to protests, but the story is more complicated. And finally, The Hill tweets, Trump supporters gathered without masks in North Carolina despite request from local GOP official. The Hill tweeted that with a picture of the Trump rally where pretty much everyone is wearing a mask. Kamala Harris had a little press event yesterday when this happened. We're very honored, uh, proud and lucky to have uh, Senator and soon-to-be Vice President Harris with us today. And I will pass it back over to you. So I know you want to take some questions before you get out here. Oh, we're all set. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. We're all set. Thank okay. you. More leaked audio from former Trump attorney Michael Cohen. This time, it's of CNN chief Jeff Zucker talking with Cohen about then-Republican primary hopeful Donald Trump. Turns out Zucker is actually a big fan of Trump, or at least was. I have all these proposals for him. Like, I, I want to do a weekly, you know, I, I want to do a weekly show with him and all this stuff. When is he back in New York tomorrow? Do you know? Wait, what? A weekly show on CNN? Jeff Zucker, the president of CNN, wanted to give a weekly show to a man he himself has denounced as a racist? But Jeff Zucker did take the time to dispense quite a bit of unsolicited political advice to Michael Cohen. How many times do you think Cruz is going to call him a con man tonight? No, uh, Ru- I mean, uh, Rubio. Rubio. I mean, Rubio. Rubio. How many times do you think he's a lot? A lot. I, I say a hundred. So, so, so you know what? You know what you should do is who's ever around him today should just be calling him a con man all day, so that he's get so he's used to it, so that when he hears it from from Rubio, it doesn't matter. Hmm. Hey, 
con man, you know, a con man, a con man, a con man, a con man. Yeah, great. You want to get, so, yeah, get so like, you know, yeah, you want to get so smacked like, in the head? They think that he, he thinks that's his name, you know? And finally, this from the Babylon Bee. Genius Trump criticizes war, causing millions of liberals to sign up for military. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by Home Title Lock. So what does COVID-19 have to do with potentially losing your home? Well, according to the FBI, cybercrime has been up 75% since we went into these lockdowns back in March. And one of the chief cybercrimes is called home title theft because the legal title to many of our homes are now kept online. Cyber criminals know this. So they go online, forge your signature on a quit claim deed and refile as the new owner of your home. Suddenly, you're off your own title. They can destroy you by taking out loans against your home, stealing the cash, the equity, sticking you with all the payments, and you may not find out about it until a late notice, a late payment notice arrives in the mail, maybe even a foreclosure. Home Title Lock, though, can protect you from this happening to you. Uh, They want to protect your most valuable asset by putting a virtual barrier around your home's title, and the instant they detect any tampering whatsoever, they will mobilize to shut it down. But first things first, Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim. Then use the promo code Steve for 30 free days of protection while you're there. The promo code Steve for 30 free days of protection when you go to HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that is HomeTitleLock.com. My name is Steve. I'm a recovering data nerd. And I have really been struggling in this election cycle as of late, really since Labor Day which is this week. So this week, this week I've been struggling because Labor Day is the traditional, you know, pivot full bore into the election. And when people start paying attention and the pollsters start going from uh, registered voters to likely voters, the conventions are done. Right. And, and so the bases are cemented and we, we just get down to brass tacks for a 90 day sprint to or 60 day sprint to the end. Right. Well, I, I I've been struggling this week with how to provide any data analysis on this election, given the environment of gaslighting and lying that we are in. I mean, we we are so far beyond bias now. We're we're into conjuring. And you know what's funny? That that thing that Aaron put in his montage about the Hill, there's a clip that, Aaron, you have earlier in your montage of a bunch of people at that same rally standing behind Trump not wearing a a mask. mask. Yeah. It was very simple to do this. Very simple. If you wanted to, if you wanted to, if you wanted to hit Trump on masks. And by the way, what do you think it means that the Democrat nominee is like, yeah, we're we're not going to do a national mask mandate. Maybe the polling numbers on that just ain't as strong as uh, as we were led to believe when they looked at it them, uh, themselves. But you could have just taken a screen capture, like the one that Aaron had right in his montage. Instead, you put up a photo of Trump standing next to a gaggle of people who are almost all wearing masks. So when we're this sloppy and we are this malfeasant at the same time, I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, today, this morning, in fact, I received some clarity on how we're going to report and analyze data on this show the final 50-some-odd days before the election. I'm going to share that clarity with you later today in the overtime. How do you get there? 
blazetv.com slash dace how you can become a blaze tv subscriber if you're not already one go there right now for a discounted subscription to blazetv.com slash dace if you're already a subscriber that's the same website that you can go to uh, to get that when it's posted later today and thank you for subscribing to blaze tv let's get to what else is in aaron's montage there's there's more context on the AstraZeneca uh, failed vaccine trial. This is actually their second failed human trial. It's actually the second one, uh, according to our buddy Alex Berenson, who was just on the show yesterday. Patients in both cases showed neurological symptoms. Now, the company is claiming the first case of neurological issue was not related to the vaccine, which is why they started up a second round of trials. But this second case is now considered serious and potentially a rare neurological condition. Now, I want to go back to what I said about the prospect of just hunkering down and waiting for a vaccine and just having no life until a vaccine emerges. And and I want to reset a couple things I said to you back in March about this. They spent 12 years, folks, 12 years trying to come up with a vaccine to SARS-CoV-1 or SARS-1, I should say, COVID. That was the first coronavirus uh, that we encountered, novel coronavirus, back in 2003. They spent 12 years trying to come up with one. They could not do it. And then finally, the virus was gone for several years, so funding dried up. And the effort gave in. We have never, ever come up with a successful vaccine for a coronavirus, ever. So you're saying there's a chance. And so the idea, I told you guys back in March, the idea you were going to get one of these in six months or a year just wasn't realistic, folks. And that's coming from me. I'm the pro-vaccine guy here, okay? I'm just not, just like I'm not anti-mask. I'm not anti-mask. I'm anti-junk science, flat earth, voodoo, garbage, which is what the mask grade is. They don't work. They don't work. I've said this a million times. I wish that they did. Things would have been so much simpler these last six months, but they do not work. If they worked... You've been. You would have been doing this show. I'd have done like, the show with in a, a damn mask, mask with the Michigan Wolverine yes. emblem on it. You I bet know I you would have. have. You bet I would have. Let's play ball. Yeah. Well, I'll just sit there wearing masks. Let's go to the movies. Let's. I would have seen Wonder Woman 1984 nine times by now. All right. Okay. They don't work. You don't have a right to not be inconvenienced when the sanctity of life is at stake. You simply do not. You don't. But they don't work. So it's not just that it's an inconvenience, it's that it's a crock. They don't work. I have it on good authority. I can't tell you where I have this authority yet, but I have, I've seen this documentation with my own eyes that your CDC gave an elected official to this country when he, when he or she asked for clarification on what's your research that masks work. And in this response, CDC cited a study by Goldman Sachs. The study by Goldman Sachs says 
that you need 15% mask compliance in a population. I read this study myself. This, this Goldman Sachs study says it requires 15% mask usage within a community in order to generate a maximum reduction of 1% of spread of the virus. <laughs> that is what it says. I read it myself. That's what it says. 15% uses of masks, and it was anywhere from 006 to a 1% reduction in viral spread. Remember when Norway said earlier this year why they weren't going to do masks? Yep. Because what it it was about this you know where they you know what it was? About this exact ratio. Something like four hundred thousand people per or in order to stop one percent of the spread. It just wasn't feasible. It wasn't feasible. On top of other conditions of reinhaling all that carbon dioxide all day long. Wear masks when you're working out, wear masks when you're biking. Why do you sweat, folks, to get rid of the stuff your body's purging while you're doing those things? Your body is simulating a fever when you work out. That's why you're warm. That's why the World Health Organization even said not to wear masks when you're working out. (laughs) We've got Major League Baseball players wearing masks in the games. Umpires kicking managers out. That's... This is they don't work. The Goldman Sachs study that that, that was the 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 gold red the, the gold plated study that CDC sent this elected official back in their answer says it required 15% mass compliance for every maximum 1% reduction in the spread of the virus. I read it myself because it was passed on to me. I read it myself. And yet they persist. And the nefariousness of that is what keeps me up at night. And and it was brilliant by Berenson on our show yesterday to tie the masks together with the vaccine. The masks don't work. If they did, I'd have I'd have been the mask pimp, yo. Dollar 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 masks, y'all. That's all we would have done for six months on this show. Put on your damn mask. Let's back to being America. Thanks. They don't work. They don't work. And now And now you're putting me in a position I don't want to be in again. But we are incentivizing reckless behavior when it comes to vaccinations. First of all, the same people telling you herd immunity is a dangerous strategy. What's a vaccine supposed to do? What, what, What does a vaccine do? Do you know? Do you know the point of a vaccine is to get a community during an outbreak to herd immunity? That's the point of a vaccination. Well, <laughs> I'm starting to think the point of a vaccination is just for a bunch of big pharma people just to rack up a huge amount of dollar dollar bills, y'all. Let me rephrase that. In the post Alexander Fleming era, and he got mocked too, by the way. The smart set, he told him he was dumb. What do you mean? Uh, medicine from, uh, from molds? You're a fool. So it took him like 10 more years to win that argument. How many more people died? But he was right. Okay. Um, 
vaccinations were originally intended to get us to herd immunity. I, I have no idea right now what they're intended for. I mean, I, I, went, I, I told you last week, I went to the most popular grocery store in my community, and there is a sign in the parking lot that says, a now more reliable shingles vaccine. Which meant if you went to their drugstore and got inoculated with the previous one, that was the unreliable one, apparently. That's the, the but they Whoops. weren't advertising it. Do you remember the, were they advertising the unreliable shingles? You and I live in the same hood. We yep. go to the same high V, right? Yeah. Yeah. Before it was the fastest growing of shingles, <laughs> shingles vaccine. vaccine. <laughs> That's great. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I did it again. It's. <laughs> So last year was the fastest growing shingles vaccine. Who knows what will what will grow if you take it. And now it is the more reliable. It does it not say this on the sign, Aaron, right there in the parking lot. Yep. It does. It says it right on the sign. Listen, I'm not telling you granola, you know, quacks how to roll, Todd, on your team. But if I were on your team, I'd head over to the High V in West Des Moines by where I live and get all kinds of pictures of that sign in the parking lot that says a now more reliable shingles vaccine. And I'd spread it amongst all my little granola cruncher community if I were in your team. That's how I'd be rolling. Okay, I mean, that is unbelievable messaging and marketing. Well, you want to know one of the ways it was unreliable? It actually gave you shingles. Oh, why? <laughs> I won't even go into the amount of people I know that have gotten the flu after getting the flu vaccine. I won't even go into that. I won't. I mean, that's why I've never gotten one, by the way, because everybody I know that has taken one uh, until Is my it- son, my son, finally, I had him go get a flu vaccine after he got the flu twice this year in about a 30 day span, which now makes me wonder if one of them was maybe a COVID. OK, and he didn't get it again. But he is the only he is the only person in my life I know. Unless Aaron, have you gotten the flu vaccine? No, I'm just I'm okay. thinking I've never gotten the flu vaccine. I'm just thinking I, I wonder if there's as many people who got the flu after getting the flu vaccine that have gotten a positive COVID result after not getting a, uh, a COVID test. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I don't. I I literally do not know anybody unless they just have gotten a flu vaccine and they didn't tell me. Everybody I know that has gotten a flu vaccine and has told me this has gotten the flu. I don't, I don't know anybody. Now, now that I say that, I'm going to get emails and texts from buddies of mine and stuff around the country, and good. That's why I don't recommend not getting a flu vaccine based on the anecdotal evidence of my own experience, okay? But we are incentivizing reckless behavior here because now the vaccine is politicized. That's a bad idea. And I told you back in March, folks, they they were able to isolate a compound that pushed back on the coronavirus SARS-2 COVID-19 10 minutes after we discovered it with today's science. That's not the issue. Remember, did I not say this all along? It is not difficult, given our advancements in medical science, to come up with some kind of compound in a lab in a laboratory environment that under a stethos- under a microscope almost a stethoscope under a microscope when they put it on the when they put on the little platelet and they you know they go look in their lens and you can see the SARS-2 COVID-19 coronavirus is in retreat when they put that compound on it that's not difficult they had one of those if not 500 of them in 10 minutes after figuring out the signature of this virus that's not the problem the problem is, can I inject that compound now into human beings? What happens if I do? What's the law of unintended consequences when I do? This is why you need to, I'm pro-antibiotic. It's also why I don't take them unless there's no natural remedy that can help me 
fight back an infection. Why? What does antibiotic mean? Antibiology. That is what it means. That's what it means. Okay? You are altering your current biology in order to stop the infection. Now, you should only do that if the infection is serious enough that it is worth doing so. Injecting yourself with antibiotics all the time is a bad idea. Every bit as bad as probably never taking antibiotics is a bad idea. Okay? This is the problem when we get idolatrous about these things as we do our science. I mean, there's a reason the pharmaceutical ads are 30 seconds and 20 seconds are a disclaimer, folks. Okay? This is reckless what we're doing with this. I've got an idea. Let me quote from the great prophet Bob Bowlesby, the commissioner of the Big 12 Athletic Conference who apparently is one of the few remaining sane adults we have left in America. When he stood up at a press conference earlier this week and said, COVID-19 is bad. Thank you. Also, we have to live our lives. Yes. And the medical experts we talk to tell us this thing could be around in terms of people testing positive and no vaccinations for two full years. We can't afford to go two years without a football season. We'll go bankrupt and our kids want to play. By the way, it's good for our kids to play. Ask Louisiana Tech University if it's good to play. A bunch of their kids got sent home because those hurricanes last week came back. Tons of positive tests had their opening game against Baylor postponed. So yeah, yeah. So Bullsby's like, we got to learn how to live with this, man. We'll go bankrupt. Scores of jobs will be lost over a virus that we can't ignore, but we also have to recognize is that right now a 99.7% survival rate. If you look at the infection fatality rate, that's what it is. 99.7%. So we have to, you know, we have to do some strange mitigation procedures and maybe they'll work, maybe they won't, but we, we got to figure out how to live with this. Just kind of waiting for a, a deliverance is not feasible. We're adults and we have to learn how to mitigate risk in a fallen world. Ah. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're going to have to do, guys. That That's what we have to do here. Gentlemen, you have any thoughts on this? I need a cigarette after that because that was beautiful. I never thought I'd see that happen. But here we are. <laughs> it, 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 am I supposed to lie to myself, though? Yes. Well, they, you will be pushed to the edge on every level here in 2020 because that is the point of progressivism. It is the total upside down. Mm. If if you're a Blaze TV subscriber, I would highly recommend, if you missed it yesterday, to go back and listen to our overtime conversation. The first part of it is Steve's framework for approaching this big story of 2020, which of course is the virus. And then the second part of overtime is us discussing what this what this means for us as a people, the implications of it. And I would highly recommend if you missed it to go back and listen to that conversation just between the three of us yesterday. But I will say this in a rational, more tied down, more grounded society, really in a society that is less secular 
anybody listening to this, anybody with their eyes even slightly open, should say, wait a minute, just a little bit, just a little, wait a minute, with everything that they've been told. It doesn't even matter if you think the virus is uh, Captain Trips or if you think it's uh, if you think it's a hoax, which, of course, it's not a hoax. But anybody, anybody, wherever you fall on that spectrum should be at least if they had just a little bit of a modicum of self-awareness, a little bit, a modicum of just eyes just slightly open should be stepping back and saying, wait a minute. Instead, it is gripping i'm going to lie to myself i'm going to keep lying to myself with the hopes that my preconceived notions my position on this will be found out to be right because because even when you are able i don't know if you guys have have noticed this even when you're able to make the maskers the 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 rabid pro masking crowd the karens out there even when you're able to drill down and say hey there's really no science that that supports this as a as a means to control the virus they'll say well there is a chance though that it might work it's always that little chance that it might work it might work so i'm gonna i'm gonna put on the mask it's that gripping on to anything in order to be affirmed yeah it's maddening to watch but that's where we are i think i should abandon my wife and family because there's a little chance scarlett johansson would say yes if i asked her out how freaking dumb does that sound when your whole standard is there's a little chance then what will you ever say no to what will you ever say no to then if that is your standard nothing more in a moment Well, it is one of our most favorite segments each and every week. It is called Buy, Sell, or Hold. And this is where Aaron, with some help from his friends, that's all of you in the audience, will throw Todd, you and I's way, numerous predictions, projections, prophecies on who knows which topics. We have not seen these ahead of time. We will react to them, therefore, in real time. And we will buy if we like it, sell if we think it's dumb or we don't, and then hold an unlimited amount of times, given the unparalleled, take a drink, times in which we live. And this week's Buy, Sell, or Hold, part one, is brought to you by Gabby Insurance. When you've had the same car insurance, or homeowner's insurance for years, you kind of get trapped into paying your premiums and not even thinking about, hey, can I save some money here? And that's why it makes it really easy to overpay and not even realize it. But Gabby takes the pain out of shopping for insurance by giving you an apples-to-apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top providers out there, major names like Nationwide, Travelers, and others. Just link your current insurance account in just minutes. You're going to be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage you have. And you know what? If you find out that the coverage you have the best you can get uh, given your risk level you've got the best bang for your buck they'll tell you hey congrats you've you've got it you've got it made but if you also want to see if there's ways to save money they can help you with that as well it's totally free to check your rate and there's no obligation takes just a few minutes you can do it right now stop overpaying on car and homeowners insurance go to gabby.com slash dace that's d-e-a-c-e for gabby.com g-a-b-i by the way that's how it's spelled gabby.com slash dace gabby.com slash dace aaron 
All right. We will begin with Media Whistleblower, who says John Roberts is ultimately the firewall between a fair election and a stolen election. Ergo, expect a stolen election. Todd, you can go first. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of losing your fastball base. Um, Oh... Guys, I'm. I will. Ooh, it's very tempting to buy. Very tempting. I will. I will sell. That's. That's a little too much, even for him. To shenanigans. I'm legit concerned about this, guys. You are legit concerned. I'm not. Yeah. I'm I, not concerned I, about I, a. St- you're right about a stolen oh, election. But specifically, that, that, John Roberts. That he. Yeah has enough thumb on the scale ability it it's more going to be just because of a multiple moving pieces that are a mess and that allow for levels of plausible deniability i just don't know that he's roberts will be the hinge that, point yeah. yeah i told you and we kind of all said the same thing a few years ago and of course the the whole electoral college thing that was kind of not really laughed off but but kind of dismissed out of hand as it should have been after the 2016 election but when governor stacy abrams the way that she went about the way that she went about just flat out saying with no bones about it no bones about it. The election was stolen for me. The election was stolen for me. And she was blown up into this national figure, and she mm-hmm. continues to be. I said, God, this is a very dangerous path mm-hmm. going down here because you're, you're normalizing that twi- type of rhetoric, at least for that side. And you, when you have a half of the country who either believes or believes it's possible for an election to be stolen, that's I'm, – I'm seriously concerned about this. If it's anything other than just a complete Trump blowout – Hold your horses, man. Or Biden blowout. Or Biden blowout, yeah. Here's why I, I paused before I answered. Oh, I understand the pause. I do. I, I'm trying to put myself in John Roberts' shoes. Okay? And I, I look at the chain of evidence of how he has ruled. There has, whether it's the decision that Arizona can't enforce its own immigration laws... But then he was on the right side of the Hobby Lobby decision, but then he messaged it the narrowest way he possibly could. If, if you look at, not who do we think, John, if you're asking me to, to gain, because to me, I take this as asking me what I think John Roberts would do in this situation, right? That, that's what the premise of this first buy-seller hold is. What does John Roberts do with a contested election? Okay. Yeah. I think in, so I'm trying to therefore put myself in his shoes. I think John Roberts views himself. See, I think he is leading us to a path of civil war by nullifying millions of of, of voters and the reasons you vote the way that you do. I think he's putting us on this path. I think John Roberts, if we put Wonder Woman's lasso of truth around him, would say the exact opposite. Right. He believes he's He's saving us from this, okay? That that he is co- he is concocting solutions. All right, gay marriage good, but you can't go after the Christian bakers. He, he's he believes that he can. He's trying. He's doing the Jew the the legal 
the, the, the Supreme Court version of a magic bullet theory. We have some pretty flimsy evidence here that Lee Harvey Oswald is the lone gunman. But this country is a powder keg right now. And so we got to come up with some kind of theory that he is. And that's where the magic bullet theory came from. They're going to violate the laws of physics in order to justify that from a third story window at the Texas Book Depository, Lee Harvey Oswald was the lone gunman against JFK. And then about 15 years later, the House of Representatives looked at the question again and said that he wasn't acting alone. That's now the official position of the U.S. government from the House Select Committee on Assassinations. I think John Roberts views himself as the soother. We think that because he's nullifying all of our votes, that he's exacerbating the situation. He sees himself differently. And that actually lends me to believe that Roberts would have a hard, would, would not step into a situation. Remember, when in Florida, it was 537, wasn't it? 537 provisional ballots. That or, sounds or that was, no, that was, the, I'm correct. sorry. That was the difference between Bush and, and Gore in the state vote total was 500 some odd votes. You can do a lot of different shenanigans when it's that razor thin in a state as large and diverse as Florida, right? 78,000 votes, even if it was as close as it was last time, though. 78,000 votes from a political science perspective is by the hair of your chinny chin chin winning the election. That's what Trump did four years ago, right? But if we're talking about retconning and, and retconning votes, that's a substantial amount of votes now to retcon. And I could foresee a scenario where John Roberts steps into that fray and says, okay, this is nuts. We're going to, I mean, so-and-so won by, you know, one to one and a half points. Now, now, if we're in a Florida razor, razor thin margin, if it's one state deciding this, like Florida was in 2000, and it's, a, and it's hundreds of votes amongst 15 million, is what I think Florida's population was at the time, then I think there's an opportunity for Roberts to, to put more of his thumb on the scale. Um, but I, I think I would have to know what are the margins we're contesting here to be able to answer this question. Because I think John Roberts is not motivated. John Roberts, I don't, I don't believe, believes... I don't believe John Roberts believes he is motivated by an anti-Trump sentiment. And if we put the Wonder Woman lasso of truth around him, he would point immediately to defend himself to all kinds of times he's actually sided with the administration, right? He believes he is motivated by keeping the peace. He thinks, he's, he thinks he is the superhero. He thinks he is the one stopping us from, you know, he's the one stopping the final scene of Planet of the Apes where Charlton Heston said, you blew it up! He thinks he's the one holding that back. And so I think the margins that we're talking about contesting here would absolutely factor in to how he would behave. So I am going to hold. Up next, we have John Hensley, who says the four best college football coaches who flopped in the NFL. Do you agree with these names? Lou Holtz, Nick Saban, Steve Spurrier and Chip Kelly. I think the first three are really good uh, uh, options. People forget Lou Holtz tried coaching the Jets. 
I totally forgot. In the that. Richard Todd days, do you remember that? No. Yeah, tried coaching the Jets. That did not go well. He left Arkansas, where he was had built them yeah. into a national power to coach the New York Jets. Yeah, that didn't work. Um, so that's a good call. Spurrier, of course, we saw him uh, with the Redskins. Absolute Hall of Famer, as is Lou Holtz. Nick Saban, of course, I think maybe is a little unfair. If if the Dolphins, the Dolphins had listened really to him bad. and traded for Drew Brees, they didn't listen to him and didn't make the trade. The owner, Wayne Huizenga, did not make the trade over his objection. If he had traded for Drew Brees, is he, does he ever end up coaching in Alabama? I think the answer to that question is no. Now, he might not have been a great NFL coach, but would he have been a hell of a lot better one? Are you a better NFL coach when Joey Harrington's your quarterback or Drew Brees? Because that was his quarterback in Miami. And trust me, I'm, I root for the team that drafted Joey Harrington. I know the answer to that question, okay? I used to call him Joey Checkdown. Third nine, looking around, see, feel the heat, dump it down to Corey Schlesinger, the fullback for three yards, get off the field punt. Joey Checkdown, all right? So, yeah, if Drew Brees is your quarterback and not Joey Checkdown, you're probably a better coach in the NFL and you never end up at the University of Alabama. So I think Saban's a little unfair. Um, but I'm not sure I can think of anybody else. And who was the fourth one? Chip Kelly. I mean, Chip Kelly's teams were, I think his record in the, I'm going to look this up really quick. Chip Kelly coaching record. Because I think his record in the in uh, the NFL is better than people thought. Um, all right, he had four seasons in the NFL and let me see. The first two years, he went 10 and 6. I mean, that's better than Nick Saban did in a two seasons. So I don't know that he belongs on that list. So. Do you think he, he left the NFL more because he just couldn't run his system there? Probably. And, and when you're more watching him fail else. right now at UCLA, I mean, that program is a dumpster fire right now. But I don't know that I can think of anybody else off the top of my head. So I'll buy your thing. Sure, I'll buy. I'm the same. I. I... I can't think of a single person off the top of my head. Because we just don't see too many college coaches transitioning to the NFL anymore. Like we did when we were growing up, when a Dick Vermeil did it, and all kinds of people did it in the 70s and the 80s. It was big news at the time when Lou Holtz failed. Because the college coaching ranks was considered a primary stomping ground for bringing in, that's where Bill Walsh came from, Dick Vermeil came from, all kinds of guys came from well, the college Well, we're testing ranks. that again with those... I mean, are any of the young bucks, are they all strictly within the NFL? You yeah. Know, the young Sean Mc, the Sean McVays of the world yeah. all came internally from the NFL. I guess the, the only NFL. one, I, well, there's the Arizona, well, he Except was he? Kings, he was Kingsbury from, came from Texas Tech. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, you're, I think, yeah, yeah he's But he wasn't great the, at Texas Tech. He had a losing right. conference record there, you know, so, okay. Next is Nucleus of the Caring says uh, an eight and two SEC team makes the playoff. I I could buy that. Yeah, I could buy that. Yeah, well, you're especially because I think the champ, I think the champion of the SEC may end up with two losses. They're all playing each other, and yeah. it's every single week. Right, and so the the violence and the physicality of that compounds week after week after week after week. Right, so yeah, I I think it's possible the SEC champion has two losses. So I'll buy that. Right, you're yeah. missing two leagues. Yeah, to to say no, we got to take the team with one loss, right. no matter yeah. even oh. if we think you're better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Next, Ben Chambers. The Big Ten will begin the first weekend of November, thus giving us football this fall, but still screwing the Big Ten out from playing in the playoff. I'm going to buy. I, I am beginning to think this is how this is going to turn out. And I think I think, I think, think things were trending in the right direction until Larry Scott, the Pac-12 commissioner, spoke up last week. And I think that um, 
him speaking up that we'll have our testing module in place by the 1st of October. You know, I really hope they wait for us. The the century-long collegiality between the two conferences, um, how divided the Big Ten is. These are two pretty hardened factions, from what I'm told right now within the league about whether to play and whether not to. Uh, and when I mean factions within the university presidents, not amongst the athletic departments, the athletic departments are almost united that they want to play. OK, they um, some want to play more than others, but they all want to play to some degree. But within the university presidents, they're very divided, hardcore divided from what I'm told. And so this is your classic political. We can't come to an agreement. So we just have an omnibus bill where everybody gets a little bit of what they want, which means Everybody gets screwed at the exact same time. And I could see that that's how this ends is sometime in November is when they play and they play a Pig 10, Pac-12 allied schedule and they play some kind of Rose Bowl in mid-January after the playoff so that that's like a big event. Okay, that's the only college, the final college football game of the year and or right around the time of the championship game. I, I am thinking now that that's how this is going to play itself out. Yeah, I'll buy because it's stupid and stupid's going to And I win. think it's dumb. Yep. I agree. I'm, I'm, let me be on the record. I'm not advocating this. I think it's, it's dumb. It's just your analysis. It's just my analysis. I think it's putting the Big Ten in a position to bill itself as the B League. We're like the JV now. We're the undercard. You know, I think from them. But in, what's the worst possible solution to this? This one is, in my view. Play in the fall, but not early enough to have your teams play in the playoff. At least in January, you'd have, or March, you'd have a captive audience. You're the only team playing, right? Okay. What? So from now on, what do I think would be the worst possible solution is kind of what I'm going with with a lot of these. This is the worst solution to this dilemma, which is why I think it will be the one that will happen. Do I look like a guy that's got a says, <laughs> Philip Rivers will have his best year of the last five years as a Colt and they will make the playoffs. I know you buy the second part of that. I do buy the second part of that. I'm going to sell on the first one, though. I think he'll be better than he was the last um, couple of years. Um, but he also wasn't that bad. It wasn't he second in the NFL in passing yardage last year or something. So, but um, I don't know that I have his best year in five years. I don't think he's got that kind of skill talent around him like he had uh, several of his years in, uh, in, my, in my mind, still the San Diego Chargers. So since I don't buy both, I'm going to sell. Yeah, sell. We'll go to John Endicott, who says Americans are being conditioned by both parties to delegitimize November's election results, setting the stage for a new level of civil unrest. Mm, I'll sell. Tell me why you're going to sell. Uh, well, because I'm, I'm a buy. We're, we're be, being conditioned for a lot of things, but not to accept. People want their kids back in school. As Steve said, you, your assumption is with the mass thing, like uh, and um, Biden. Yeah. Nah, not so much. I people are like really now after this, you want us to just be in limbo with a president? No, I don't think they will. Actually, be you know, furious. I'm going to sell too because I think the civil unrest is why people don't buy the elections. I don't think it's the elections yes, that cause the civil unrest. Right. I think the civil unrest is why I don't want to accept that's, that my side loses correct. because I can't contemplate that your side has won. Right? I will right, we'll come back play more buy so they're holding them.
Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email us. D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Parlor at Steve Dace. You can also check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. And if you're a podcast listener, we appreciate you very much as well. But we would personally and emphatically ask that you would hit that subscribe button if you haven't done it yet. And leave us a five-star review. If you haven't done it yet, the more of those we get, the more it helps the show to grow. We appreciate the thousands of you that have done this for the program already. Hopefully, we make you feel most days like it was worth it. Part two of Buy, Sell, or Hold coming your way here in a moment. Bottom of the hour, Daniel Horowitz, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, will be taking us inside politics. This part of the show brought to you by our good friends over at Rough Greens, which isn't a dog food. It's a supplement that you sprinkle on your dog's food and is full of the things that's going to make your dog healthier and happier. All right, so just like a lot of the foods that we have today have been sterilized of all the good stuff that we need the most, so they will have a long shelf life. The same thing happens with our pets' food as well. So those antioxidants, prebiotics, probiotics, omega oils, vitamins, minerals, how do they get back into that sterile food? That's where Rough Greens comes in. You pour the powder on top your dog's food that they already love, and apparently they're going to love it more. At least our dog, Cap, loves his food even more, but it's going to be more better better for them at the exact same time. So if you want to see your dog healthier and happier, take the 14-day jumpstart challenge today. See if you don't see a difference in your dog in two weeks or less. When you go to roughgreens.com slash blaze, R-U-F-F is how it's spelled. $14.95 is all that it costs at roughgreens.com slash blaze. Aaron. All right, we'll continue on with buy, sell, or hold. Simchich says there will be a third-party president in 20 years. Um, I will, a third party president, I I think in 20 years, one of the parties will disintegrate or there will be a civil war without revival. I believe that. So then I guess that's a possible outcome. Okay. I, I could buy, I don't know yet which one of those scenarios i think is you know if i were going to lay odds what odds i'd lay on those three but i think those are the only three outcomes for settling the differences we have right now on an existential level so i guess since your your proposition is tied to one of those three i guess i'll buy okay I'll buy to this extent uh, because whether they're 20 years and they're being a president, I don't know, but there, there's never been a viable third party in our lifetime, in my estimation. Is that fair? Yeah. I, I think there will be a viable third party, a, undeniably a contender. You know, and, and the more I think about this, I think a lot of people in the Republican primary and then in the general viewed Donald Trump as a proto version of a third party. Yeah, you candidate. said that before, yeah. That that he, this was the closest they thought they could get to something radically and totally and completely different from a system that they believe has systemically failed them. So, I I think this was a his election was maybe another step in that direction. Yeah. 
Up next, Millennial Falcon says reverse racism will be the new civil rights movement against white people, resulting in serious legislation within the next 10 years to grant white people equal rights, resulting in civil unrest. Sell, because I don't think there's any chance. Zip, zilch, nada. That there's going to be legislation on the table no matter what happens for white civil rights. No chance. Monkeys fly out of my butt first. Not happening. Yeah. And one reason is sell because remember that video we showed, I don't know, maybe a month ago now that out in California, that guy who said, we're getting fed up. Uh, and when we decide to storm the castle, you'll know about it. You mm-hmm. know, they're not going to sit and wait on that legislation. No. Up next, uh, we have Russell Rice, who says Mount Rushmore of Star Trek movies in honor of Star Trek Day being uh, recent. Uh, Wrath of Khan, First Contact, Search for Spock, and J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. Uh, well, I think three of them are automatics. Okay. I think Wrath of Khan is one of the greatest sci-fi movies of all time. All time. Um, First Contact is the one truly great movie the Next Generation crew did. It's a truly great film. I just watched it again recently. And I think J.J. Abrams' reboot of Star Trek was absolutely brilliant. I mean, the way they pulled that off and then to update it for a contemporary audience at the exact same time, it's almost, it's almost flawlessly cast. I mean, it's 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 exceedingly well done. That that opening sequence there with Chris Hemsworth as George Kirk, all right, giving his life for his kid. Oh, I know. I mean, that, I mean, it, the whole that movie is cash money. I'm going to debate you. I'm going to fight you on the third one. Uh, I don't believe Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock should be on the list. I don't. I think Star Trek Four, even though it's got the kooky save the whales message, is a clearly superior film. I think Star Trek Six which is kind of a takeoff on the fall of the Soviet Union with the Klingon Empire. Um, I, I, and Christopher Plummer is great as the villain yeah. in that film, is clearly better than Star Trek Three. So is three out of four good enough? Or since it's a Rushmore, it's got to yeah. be four and oh. Yeah, you can buy it. All right, so if it's three out of four, I'll buy, but I would put Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country as the, as the fourth uh, member of the Mount Rushmore there. Yeah, me too. This only brings, we got to bring it up. It, we happened to be talking about before the show about Star Wars. Again, J.J. Abrams, he he does what you just says he did, and he did. And he admits, I was a, never a Trekkie. Never. He got it right. He said, oh, I'm a total Star Wars guy. And look what he did. How in the hell? I know. I know. What happened? There, there, there's a scene in Star Trek VI I've always loved. There's several scenes in the film I've always loved. But it's when they're, they've got the Klingons and the Federation together for the first time uh, on the Enterprise trying to have some kind of a piecemeal okay and and they're trying to find common ground and the common ground they find is that the the klingon high command actually are big william shakespeare fans okay and they so they start going back and forth quoting shakespeare lines together okay and and they're naming the play and 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 citing the Shakespeare, you know, which which shakespearean work this is from and at one point christopher plummer's a Cleon character that Kirk cannot stand says, you know, we need breathing room. And Kirk says, earth, Hitler, 1938. Yeah. I love, and the room freezes. Okay. I love that scene. That's a great scene. 
Next, uh, constitutional a hole says Kansas City beats Houston for NFL Thursday night kickoff. Yeah, I would, I would buy that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, conservative Husker seventy six says the Pittsburgh Steelers are the greatest sports franchise in American sports history. Bye. Uh, I think it's got to be the New York Yankees guys. They're the quintessential pro sports franchise in American sports history. It's it's the New York Yankees. Yeah. Next is Joseph Kerno, who says Jack Nicholson was the best version of the Joker. So, this is like asking me to choose children. Okay. So, I mean, I, 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 I have quoted Jack Nicholson's version of the Joker so many times since June of 1989. But the iconic performance that Heath Ledger gives at the exact same time, I gotta, guys, I, I I'm going hell 9,000 here. I can't I can't make a call. You're holding. I have to hold, man. Otherwise, my mainframe's going to explode. I got to hold. I got to pass. Good Sorry. job, Joseph. And you're selling. I'm, abso- I'm Who's absolutely the best? selling. It is, it is Heath Ledger, yeah. yes. I love Nicholson's performance, though, man. I love it. it. It's good, but it was put in a box. It, the, but I understand why the first- No one improved Joker products. Well, you can't- it Making it a cartoon, like taking it out of the comic books- yeah. And making it a live action cartoon. I understand back then what that's like the first go at it, but that's not really the Batman universe is dark. But but the if you and for, it, for folks that are wondering, the line that we have said on the show sometimes that makes Todd and I chuckle. On the other hand, he has a wonderful singing yeah. voice that comes from Nicholson's yeah. Batman. Boss Grissom was a liar, a murderer, and a fiend. On the other hand, he had a wonderful singing voice. <laughs> It's not, yeah. Oh, that's great stuff. And it's not. I'm not. It's not bad. It, it. It's. It did everything it could, with the boundaries put a, around it, but it. It's meant to go deeper and darker, and that's where Ledger took you. Okay. Up next, Elliot Evans says America would be a better place if we repeal the Seventeenth Amendment, direct election of senators, and instead the Sixteenth Amendment, income tax. That is an interesting question. Sorry, um, you're making me pick one. That's yeah, the seventeenth instead the 17th of the 16th. instead of the sixteenth. You know what? I'm going to buy because I think I could make a case that there's no way you could make a repeal of the sixteenth actually stick without the seventeenth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And you have to remember the the reason your founding fathers. Had the Senate had the or, or our version of a House of Lords had senators direct. They thought that by giving them longer terms, but being directly accountable to their lessers, because it would be state legislators, legislatures uh-huh. that would often have to deal right. with the ramifications of the decisions that they were making. Okay, so they wanted one in a bicameral legislature. They wanted one house that was constantly under threat of the rule of the people. So just two year terms. You know, and then they wanted another one where they could maybe take uh, a pause and take maybe of a longer term view uh, with a six year term. So they had a couple of years there where they didn't have to feel like they were in a campaign mode, but they also then didn't want them to feel like they were invulnerable at the exact same time, because where would the next batch of senators often come from? Right. Your state legislature. So there'd be a you'd almost be competing with your own triple A franchise for a roster spot all of the time. And so there would be uh, one house would get competition from 
the uh, constantly being under the threat of the will of the voters and the other would get competition yeah. by constantly being under threat of the lesser magistrates that were going to be responsible for a lot of the decisions they made. If you look at the size of, of an explosion of government. Clearly, those two amendments have have led yeah. to it more than anything else. So it's just a question of which method do you think would roll it back faster? Yeah, I think I'd I think I would go with repealing the seventeenth first. All right, so you're both buying. Up next, Charlie West says civilian firefights in the streets of major cities by next summer, regardless of who wins the election. Bye. I'm gonna sadly buy. I'm gonna sadly buy. I, I and and here's why. I I think that if they are incentivized by winning the election, I don't know why they'd give up doing this. So why why and and why would they march into every to your red state governors then and just parochialize it instead of nationalizing? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Hey, you're standing in the way of our new progressive utopia in South Dakota, Christine Ohm, or Iowa, Kim Reynolds, or Georgia, Brian Kemp, Florida, Ron DeSantis. So why wouldn't they just turn those states into war zones? Um, and then if they lose, I think we all know that they're going to continue doing this. Yes, out of you know spite. So, um, I think that genius, sadly out of the bottle up next we've got paul howard who says apparently it takes 15 days to flatten the curve of an article by the atlantic (laughs) (laughs) oh i love it bye that's appropriately snarky yes yes next how about the jobs report though huh oh yeah what anyway what's which one uh yeah the 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 one we didn't talk about yeah that's really good Yeah. yeah sean stimson says cam newton won't be starting by week six sell i i think naming him captain and everything they're going to give him every opportunity the fact that belichick went with somebody outside of his system who hasn't been indoctrinated in his system at all also indicates they're not very high on jared stidham to carry the banner and um i i think you want to tell me week nine or ten maybe but i think they're going to give cam newton every opportunity to rise or fall on his own making him captain that tells me no this he's it this depends less on bill belichick than it does on cam newton i mean cam newton has had legitimate injuries in his life yeah but but his biggest problem is this thing up there i mean he just checks out i've never seen a guy just handle losing a, a grown man handle losing in a more immature fashion and I think he's just let himself devolved in all those ridiculous outfits and all that stuff. I, so if he's back and just like, I'm here to play football and not be a dope, I, I, I don't see any reason why he... And I think that's why he was given a one-year yeah. deal. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 I think that's why. Next up, uh, we've got uh, You Know the Thing, who says the top three Christopher Nolan movies. He's got one, The Dark Knight, two, Inception, and three, Interstellar. I think the Batman Begins and Dark Knight Rises are absolutely better films than Interstellar and Inception. Absolutely. It, the, the latter two are interesting. They're yeah. fun to watch, but they're not. And by the way, movies. I think Memento is a better film than is Inception. And that's his first movie. Memento is a phenomenal film. I think Memento is better. 
Have you, you, guys, you guys ever seen Memento? Oh, yes. Yep. The guy that's got to, you know, yeah. tattoo himself because he has short-term memory loss. Right. I think Memento is a better film than Inception or Interstellar uh, as well. So I'm a hard sell on that. Hard sell. I just watched The Dark Knight Rises again at an IMAX about a month and a half ago. And no one I walked out of thinking, man, that okay. movie was actually better than we thought it was. And it freaked me out because it was a documentary. Yeah. It was prophetic. Yeah. But if you had to put Memento before both of these two, if you had to put one non-Batman, it would be Memento. It would be Memento would be the film before these two. Yeah. What else are we not including? There's, um, well, there's Dunkirk. Oh, that's, um, yeah. And then there's the one that's out right now, Tenet. I, I feel like I'm missing one. Was there one with Al Pacino um, where they're like he, an Alaskan investigator that was like the follow-up oh. to Memento? Is that the one I'm thinking of? I didn't know he did that, but let that's me, no. Let it's me, a, let me look that it's, up. It's Al Pacino, you know, and Robin Williams, and yeah. Robin Williams plays a like a serial killer, and he can't fall asleep because it's in Alaska and the sun's always up. Yeah, I. Um, why did I think that was also a Christopher Nolan film? But I, I could be wrong about that. So, yeah, yeah. The Prestige, uh, the Prestige was yeah. Insomnia was a Christopher Insomnia, Nolan. That's yeah. what it was. That's an underrated wow. film. The Prestige is a good movie too. I think I think the prestige is better. Well, I don't know that it's better than Inception. So this is. A I'm not album. high. I'm not high in Interstellar. I got to be honest. I don't think it's I, terrible. It's I just don't terrible. think it's. It's fun. I don't to think watch, it's the transcendent experience yeah. that Ben Shapiro claims it is. I don't. Yeah, I'll, I'll sell as well. Next up, Ed Grant says, "Assume you are being lied to." Is the most prophetic statement made in the last 100 <laughs> years. Let's Bye. talk about how awesome we are. <laughs> It's the most prophetic statement that's ever been made on the history of this show. I'll give it that. And hey, I'm so scared now. I don't know that I don't know that this December we're going to have a meeting about a theme for next year, guys. I'm afraid of what we will unleash, okay? I don't even like this year's end of year shows. I, how can they even go along the same template I, I know. as I'm, any Imagine if we could just jump back in the DeLorean to mid-December when we came up with that theme, one of the last days we had here for the year. And and showed ourselves what was going to happen by Labor Day of 2020. Remember Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself, guys? Do you remember that? Yeah. That was this year, guys. <laughs> that was this year. Remember the Pete Buttigieg? Who? Yeah. That was this year, guys. I miss those jokes. Remember when Trump was impeached? Remember when Trump was impeached by the House of Representatives? That was this year, guys. <laughs> this is nuts. This is absolutely nuts. And Ed, I hate you. <laughs> uh, next, Keith Rickard says, sometime around September 25th, it'll be announced that Biden has been exposed to the Rona and he'll quarantine missing the first debate. I love this. Bye. I, that, I, I'm going to buy just because I love it so much. I love it. I'm gonna buy. It's it's see it's what it's not it's not more than fifty percent likely, but it's likely enough. It's likely enough. That's exactly right. It's likely enough. Yeah. All those things that as a professional, I know you've said this. Like you would have, if you you would have thought yourself to be a tinfoil hat wearing fool if it was like twenty percent. Well, I don't. You know, you can't do your business that way. Now we have to do all our business that way. Mm-hmm. 20% odds, those are pretty darn good odds in this climate. 
If you're listening to the crazy voices in your head. I, I didn't think it was there was any possibility that a guy who's, no matter what victim group he was a part of, could go from mayor, not of Indianapolis, Indiana, Los Angeles, California, New York City, South Bend, Indiana, that's Cedar Rapids, Iowa, man, to at one point Democrat presidential frontrunner. It happened. I didn't. I didn't think. I, I thought when they did the initial testimony on that Ukrainian call, and of all the witnesses they brought up, only one of them actually was on the call. And and most of their testimonies were like, "Well, I'm really here because I don't appreciate Trump's foreign policy positions." Okay, great. Well, what's that have to do with impeachment? I, 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 there's no way. Yeah, they did it. Um, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. Before, They just killed Jeffrey Epstein in broad daylight, man, in broad daylight, and then went with the guards fell asleep and the camera equipment and the maximum security, all of them, and the camera equipment in the maximum security prison just happened to fail that day, excuse, okay? Like the apple dumpling gang plot line, they did it, okay? You did it! (laughs) I just, I don't know what I'm saying no to anymore, man. All right, last listener submission. Not another list. And boy, this one is good. Aaron Rialli says, Antifon members will feel right at home in hell because to them it's just another fiery but peaceful protest. Oh, man. E.T. phone home. Bye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Bleacher Report. Top 10 football NFL games. Of all time. Y'all ready for this? Mm-hmm. Of all time. Of all time. Holy yep. Uh, number 10, they have Ghost to the Post. That's the 1977 Oakland Raiders versus Baltimore Colts double overtime playoff, playoff game. game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know what? Raiders man? went down 31 to 28. Not a big bleacher report guy, mainly because I don't like clicking through 175 times. Click through each paragraph. Yep. But if you're starting your list with that, that's legit, man. I could buy. Can, I could buy that. I'll give. I'm not familiar with this game right off. Yeah, the top this of my is uh, Kenny Stabler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is uh, Bert, and then uh, uh, who was the uh, Colts quarterback in the '70s? Bart um, or Bert uh, Bert Jones, who was in the Miller yeah. Lite commercials. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, this is. I mean, this was you know dead January or late December, ice cold. Okay. Yeah, this is a classic game. Yeah. You bet. That's a good call. Okay. All right. Uh, number nine, the Hail Mary. This is the 1975 Cowboys versus Vikings games. Roger Staubach yep. threw the ball and said Pearson, a Hail, yeah. Hail Mary. Yep. This is where the phrase Hail Mary comes from. Roger Staubach, the, the Cowboys were without timeouts, last play of the game, basically. Throws it up to Drew Pearson, says a Hail Mary as he to himself as he's thrown it up and says to, he's asked after the game, hey, you know, what was the secret to that play? Because I just said a Hail Mary, hoping that it would be caught. And that's where the phrase Hail Mary came from, was this game. It absolutely belongs on the top 10 list of NFL play, of NFL games of all time. Absolutely, it's an iconic play. So I'm going to buy. Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed yeah, if, so far. If your game's been given a great Catholic name, as others have, and I'm sure we'll <laughs> see on this list, yes, it, that, that's why it's there. Number eight, the Immaculate Reception. There it this is. This is 1972, Oakland Raiders versus Pittsburgh Steelers. Yep. Low-scoring game, typical of the era. The ball bounces off of Rocky yep. Blyer into mm-hmm. the hands of Franco Harris, who then just rumbles and bumbles in for a touchdown and really kicks off the dominant era for the Steelers. Um, 
uh, as the team of the 70s. And I love throughout history as they, the older guys, the retired guys, when they still talk, hey, he didn't catch that. Yeah. Because the camera angle, yes. it's just, you're yeah. barely he, out of frame. Yes. Yes. Uh, that's number eight? Yep. Wow. They're going to come up with seven better games than this? Okay. That's our new bench baseline is it has to be better than the Immaculate Reception. Okay. I'm impressed if that's number eight. Number seven is the tuck rule. The 2002 Raiders versus Patriots game. Now this is what this is what began the Patriots um, dynasty yeah. under Brady and Belichick. They should have lost wow. to Rich Gannon and the Raiders at home yeah. in the snow that day. Except this was the invention of a new rule. Yes. I don't know. Do, does it go ahead against? Does See, it go I'm not, ahead no, of the South, Immaculate no. Reception? Plus, I'm, I'm okay sp- with it being on the list, no. but I wouldn't put it ahead of the Immaculate Reception. So sell. But I'm I'm annoyed by that. I mean, that's just, it, it was, the, how, what year is that? 2001, 2002, so we, right? This yeah. is, look yeah. how long we've been during the total, utter bleepity bleep of not understanding what the basic rules yep. of football are. Yep. I think it absolutely belongs on the top 10 list. Really? Not better um, than that, though. But I don't think it's ahead of the Immaculate Reception. Yeah. Number six, the comeback. This is 1993 Oilers versus Buffalo. Oh, yeah, the, yes. the, the wild card game. Yep. Yeah, 35 to three or something at the half. Frank Reich, the backup yeah. quarterback, is in. Or no, this was the divisional playoffs, I think. Um, no, it was a wild card game. It was game. a wild card yep. game. Mm-hmm. It belongs yep. in the list. Ahead of the Immaculate Reception, though? So, well, see, I don't, I know that. I don't know anything about that. I mean, I remember watching this game. game live. Yes, I remember this okay. game live. So, um, I got to sell. I think it belongs in the li- You know what, though? Dude, I'm impressed. Like, I think they got the right game so far. I'm just not down with the order. I, I, the Immaculate Reception should be higher. So, sell. But it belongs on the list. Num- number five, the longest game ever. 1971, Dolphins versus Chiefs. Christmas Day, yep. right? Yeah. Dolphins undefeated season. Um, I'm okay with that being on the list because a lot of people would have said this would hmm. was the number one game of all time until that immaculate reception. So I'll buy. That's a, that's one of the c- iconic games. I think I probably know what number one is, but that that's one of the most iconic games in NFL history. So yes, I'll buy. Yeah. Uh, number four, the drive, nineteen eighty seven Broncos versus mm. Browns. Yeah, that's. I don't know that I'd put it ahead of, but was it ninety nine yards? Oh yeah, on I mean, the road. Uh, at at the dog pound. John yep. Elway at his best. I remember watching that live too. Yep. Um, I'll, I'll, buy, I'll it. buy it. I'll buy it. I will. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Up next, it's number three is the Ice Bowl, the 67 Cowboys versus Packers. It, it, this had to be, it can't be any lower than this game. Right. Okay. I mean, this is, this is one of the most famous games of all time, which is why it belongs to be number three on the list. I think I know what number one is. I will be fascinated to see what number two is if this is number three. So I'll buy. Yeah, I'll buy. Yep. Number two, the Epic in Miami. This is the 82 Chargers versus Dolphins game. <sighs> That's a mm. tough call, man. The the shot of Kellen Winslow having to yeah, be carried, carried off the off. field at I, the end, right? Um, and then it was like 170 degrees. And then the next week, the Chargers had to go oh, play yeah, in no. like 30 below weather in Cincinnati for the AFC Championship right. game and got, and got uh, pounced. <laughs> Is it ahead of the ice bowl, though? For our generation, it probably is, because we watched this one live, right? Um, it's a pre-Marino Cal- uh, Dolphins. Um, I could buy it being number two. I'd probably have the uh, ice bowl number two, but I won't argue with this being number two. Yeah, I'm going to have to sell just because it doesn't Because you're a Packers. Of the, uh, yes, yeah. But uh, number one's got to be the Giants and the Colts 
NFL championship game, right? That's number one. Uh, number one is the 2016 49ers at New England Patriots game. Colin Kaepernick led a game. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know you are. I know you're trolling me. Uh, no, number one, greatest game ever played. 58 Colts versus is. the Giants. Yeah, that, this is has the dawn be. of the NFL yep. era. Has to be number one. Made the NFL a national sport a national television sport for the first time, kind of set the stage for what Pete Rozelle was able to do with the NFL uh, moving forward with the introduction of the Super Bowl and everything else. So I I agree it has to be number one. You know who the place kicker was for the New York Giants in that game? Pat Summerall? Pat Summerall was the place kicker for the New York Giants in that game. Yeah. So I'm fine with it being number one. Totally fine with it. Given the magnitude of what the game means Um, and everything else, I'm okay with it. I'm amazed that there aren't more games of recent vintage on that list i expected more for just as a and i and this this now this list feels right but i'm still amazed that somehow i think the most recent one was the the tuck the tuck rule the tuck rule yeah, was yeah. The most I mean, recent really one. we don't yeah. have one of the greatest games in nfl history since 19 when i mean how about, the, how about the, the comeback yeah. by the, the 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 patriots against the falcons in the super bowl that's on a lot of people's yep. lists yeah that's yep, yep. so the chiefs rams game monday night football game a couple of years ago those would I mean, be that Patriots Giants Super Bowl, the the, the catch, the, the yeah. what's it? What do we call it? The David Tyree, oh, yeah. the catch yeah. at the top yeah. of his head. Yeah. Yep. yep. By the way, breaking news: Nebraska President Ted Carter says Big Ten presidents and chancellors could vote on a football plan quote very soon. Cool. God bless Nebraska for putting that yeah. out there, forcing their hand. Man, Nebraska Cornhuskers, they're my team. <laughs> Go Big Red! <laughs> All right, we'll come back. Daniel Horowitz is going to take us inside politics with some woe and lamentation next. the average american has scores maybe up to 90 some odd points that they can add to their credit score they have no idea how well scoremaster is the new credit science that can super boost your credit score and not just a few points in fact the average scoremaster user raises their credit score 61 points in 20 days or less that's right 61 points so say your credit score is in the high 500s to mid 600s when you bought that new car if you'd gone to scoremaster first and raised your score just that average 61 points you could have saved up to nine grand with a better rate on that car loan Uh, same thing with a home loan same thing if you're a business owner and you're looking for capital uh, loans in order to liquidate uh, your 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 business or to uh, invest more in the infrastructure for your business the better the rate the better the offer you're going to get and what scoremaster does is it gives you that rate by putting you in control of your finances not the banks you can enroll in minutes see how many plus points scoremaster can add to your credit score by visiting scoremaster.com slash steve that's scoremaster.com slash steve let's bring in the weekly prophet himself of woe and lamentation our good friend daniel horowitz good to see you brother how are you we're doing all right thank god steve how are you doing very well all right so um Tell us about this website, Rational Ground, and the latest news with the virus. So rationalground.com is the homepage. That is your homepage on your computer. Uh, If you are someone who really wants to find out what's going on, this is a group of about two dozen people. Some contribute more than others. Um, Some of them are into math, science, medicine. Some of them are just paying attention. 
They've been following the trends since March, since earlier. They understand how to pull the data. Um, when you understand that this is more about data analysis and a continuity of observations about politics, policy, and, and data trends than it is about science or math, then you can understand why this really is the best website to go to. Uh, obviously, some of our buddies, Justin Hart, Kyle Lamb, Andy Bostom, are involved with it. Um, I think, Steve, you've noted this from your show, from your articles. I've seen the same thing. Anything dealing with the truth of the trends, of the science, of the math, with regard to coronavirus, do better than anything in your career. Mm -hmm. Okay? People badly want the truth about the item on the agenda that affects their lives more than anything has ever affected their lives. So this is the straight and narrow. I mean, it's if you had the five most important stories that demonstrate the severity, the trajectory of the virus, what input works, what input doesn't, they're going to be up there. Whereas you go to a traditional other, I mean, any other website, it's just not going to be there. I mean, Steve, this is the thing. It's more than the panic porn. It's the power of obfuscation. So, for example, some of the stuff we're putting out with is we find more and more what our government has been saying, whether the state health departments, whether it's the EPA, whether it's OSHA, about the efficacy and safety of cloth and surgical masks. And it's astounding. I mean, if there was near unanimity of opinion that they don't work, that they're more harm than good, false sense of security, spreading more germs. And the more we actually see that in actuality with the trend lines getting bad in all the places that had mask mandates in place for months, like Israel, which is the worst it's ever been. They've had a mask mandate for months. The more we see this cultish-like devotion. Steve, I hate to say this, but... I don't know why this is popping in my mind now, but more than ever, I feel like echoing Jeremiah Wright and some of the things he said about America. When I see a video on an airplane of a family getting kicked off because a 19-month-old baby is crying over being gagged with a mask. You know, I see that and I'm thinking like, hmm. Jeremiah Wright, maybe, maybe you had it right. <laughs> I mentioned this earlier in the program. I have it on good authority that in response to a formal question from an elected official, CDC, uh, and the question that uh, was asked was about the efficacy of masks. And CDC cited in this answer a study from Goldman Sachs uh, to reinforce their newfound uh, faith in the mask. This Goldman Sachs study, I read it myself. This Goldman Sachs study says it requires 15% mask compliance to maximum reduce the spread of the virus by 1%. 0.6 to 1% is the net reduction in spread you would get for every 15% compliance of mask use is what Goldman Sachs found in its research, which echoes what we saw from Norway when they said, hey, we'd have to mask 400,000 people to stop 1% of, 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 of infections. And so it's just not given what it will do on a counter level from a health and uh, mental health standpoint, and not to mention 
enforcing something like that. It's just there's not enough civic bang for the buck there for us as a country to do this. And so there really isn't any data out there. It's just wish casting. I find looking at the data, tell me if you think this is an exaggeration. I think when you look at the, the, the statistical profile for this virus as we sit here on September the 9th, it looks to me like a virus that is in full retreat here in the United States of America. Steve, I, I think the punchline is that this is becoming the fifth coronavirus cold, and that's very scary. See, I wish it would go away like SARS-1. The problem is if it doesn't go away, we have the psychosis of people's fear and panic from the actual name of COVID-19. But what if that COVID-19 becomes nothing but a cold? And you survey what's going on here. What we're seeing is here where I am in, in Maryland, all of the hospitals are doing maintenance and painting in their ICUs. There's nobody there. Um, you look around at the college campuses where our buddy Dr. Andy Bostom uh, put together a list of over a dozen state university systems where they found over 25,000 cases cumulatively put together, these uh, universities, not a single hospitalization among them. Hmm. That's I, called repeat a Repeat that, out of how many? Out of 25,000, yeah. not a single hospitalization among them. We have not heard of it, certainly any death or anything. That is a cold. See, this time of year when people come back together around September, even before the flu season, and you put them together, the weather changes a lot, gets cold in the morning, warm in the afternoon. I always get a cold uh, April, September, you know, the transition months, that period of time. Now, you magnify that by the fact that you have kids and young adults that have been kept apart from each other for six months. You put them back together. Guess what they're going to get that they haven't been getting? They're going to get even more colds. And now you add on top of that the fact that take a, a school or university of 1,000 people, 1,000 kids. At any given moment, 10 to 15 to 30 will test positive, if not more. Most of them are, are notional or false positives. Some of them are real, but very much subclinical in terms of the disease itself. But then, here's the deal, Steve. You put them together, who's to say the event caused that? They would have that individually at home where we know the, the household is the primary driver of the spread. So this is the illusion. But now what's going to happen? People get sore throats. Why? Because they have a cold. Um, especially younger kids, they often get strep throat. I have a friend of mine who just had a kid that got strep throat in school. Guess what you're going to do? The first thing you're going to do is test for COVID. And then we know a certain number of them are false positives. So we now have the cold that we, what we have now is a typical season of any amount of pathogens we have, except we have this floating around mm -hmm. in a very mild form that the testing itself is driving it. Imagine if we tested the flu the way we tested this. I found literature from 2014. Now, there's different opinions on this. But there is such a thing as an asymptomatic flu. Just because the media never said anything doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I have seen estimates as high as 75% of cases are asymptomatic. And remember, that makes sense because typically the flu, even a, even a 2018 type of season, seems to hit a wall at 60, 70 million. We have 330 million people in the country. 
So it doesn't it, it stops at some point. Some people get it, some people don't. You have husbands and wives, similar concept. We all thought this virus was kind of loony in the way it operates. It's not that different from what we see with the flu. Well, Steve, imagine if we would have PCR testing proactively to admit anyone to college and then randomize every week thousands of college students have mandatory testing. How many flu cases would you find? So here's the deal. If we are presupposing that asymptomatic dramatically spread, which really has not been proven, and you are killing grandmother just by your sheer existence unless you put a mask on, guess what? We need to be doing that for the rest of our lives because of the flu. Oh, and by the way, Steve, isn't it funny? People are getting all these colds. How are you getting colds and strep throat in school if you're wearing a mask? I mean, you see, if nothing else, we should see the we, – we talked about the CLI, the COVID-like illness symptoms that's tracked by CDC. What about the ILI, the influenza-like illness? That baseline we have dating back decades, that has not gone down. It's about what it always is. Why is that not being stopped? Why is that not being stopped, Steve? I mean, this is the tragic irony. The fact that masks do not work is being used against us. Because if they did work, you know what? You wouldn't be getting all this stuff, and you, you wouldn't have any positive tests. We're a little more than 50 days until the election. Where do you think things stand? You know, last week we were talking about a potential Trump convention bounce. And I think if you actually look at the data, you're not seeing – you're seeing a little bit of a bounce. But fundamentally, Joe Biden is ahead nationally and in most states. Albeit there's conflicting – there are still conflicting data points. So the question is, are they mutually exclusive? You see Trump doing reasonably well in a state like Florida but losing in Arizona – and Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, there are factors on the ground in Florida that have made it more red in recent years, so that doesn't necessarily bother me. But then you have consistent polling with blacks and Hispanics, and it shows that Trump is not only holding his baseline, which, remember, was a baseline to eke out a minimal nationwide victory, but he's actually expanding on those margins. Uh, we saw two polls from Florida that showed him uh, downright winning the Hispanic vote in Florida. Now, because they're lumping the yeah. Cuban vote in with as, as, as a generic Hispanic vote, right? They're, they're, they, Cuban they Hispanics are, 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 are one monolithic yeah, block. Okay. One monolithic block. But, but to be fair, Steve, what, what you're seeing where he's downright even or slightly ahead in a Hispanic population dominated by Cubans it does translate to him only being behind about 20 points nationwide or in other states among Hispanics that are more Mexican rather than 30, 35 points. Sure. Um, and we saw that as early as, as June in an NPR poll. And then obviously you've spoken about the polling on black. So the question is, could you really square the veracity of that polling data with Trump downright losing five to eight points nationally? And losing Pennsylvania, losing Arizona. I, I don't believe that you can. No, no, I don't and that's, you can. Th that is the question. So one of those two things. He are may, wrong. by the way, he may lose those states, but it's not going to be while getting um, the highest percentage of Hispanics since Reagan exactly. and the highest percentage of blacks by a Republican since 1960. That's not the way he's <laughs> going to lose those states. Not by doing that.
No, no. I mean, he he could hold roughly the same, lose more white suburban votes, sure. things like that. Yeah. So, I mean, on the one hand, you have those polls, but on the other hand, um, I'm just telling you, you look at the RCP, it does not portend what Trump supporters were looking for post-convention. Um, we, we spoke about this a lot. You look at the polling, if you're looking for a polls are wrong dynamic, you don't really have that precedent established in 2016 they were only a little bit wrong they did tighten in then now they could still tighten and that this could be on the way to that trajectory i'm just telling you i agree with you but i got i only have 90 seconds left so i don't want to cut you off but i want to get your answer on this okay so please make it short if you look at the behavior of the campaigns does the biden campaign's behavior look to you now we're not going to do a mask mandate. Yeah, I mean, does, this, does that strike you as a campaign that thinks that the public numbers that they're getting privately are every bit as strong as what they're seeing publicly? Does that strike you, their behavior? Because it doesn't to me. Well, I would say, does Republicans continuing to push masks, despite Biden do that, uh, convey to you a winning message? Yeah, but, but you're talking about the Senate Republicans. I've, yeah, man, that, that, I'm talking yeah. about Trump. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. No, no, yeah. no exactly, exactly. Yeah. I, I agree with you, um, but again, that could be precautionary. I'm not saying he's, you know, Trump's going to lose. I'm just saying you, momentum changes very quickly. And well, I think, I think a that. lot of momentum was lost this week, spending five damn days on an Atlantic article nobody cares about, instead of a jobs report that everybody actually cares about. Nobody talked about that. Yeah, Steve, that's my punchline. The convention was an example of harnessing people's attention yep. on something powerful that they care about. Yep. They need to find legislative policy messaging fights that will continue that because if you don't, there still is ground to make up. No question. You saw that. I mean, you, you, you've, you've brought back half the jobs we lost this year. Why that wasn't a mainline talking point everywhere they went to all of their friends in the media and everything else, but instead they spent five the entire Labor Day weekend on the Atlantic. Whatever. Good to see you, brother, as always. All right, take care. Yeah. Gentlemen, any final thoughts? Well, uh, Trump, uh, the police union, Chicago Police Union, again, what people actually care about, just endorsed uh, Donald Trump, and that's not the first police union uh, to do so. Didn't the New York Fraternal Order police do the same thing? The New York City is it, well. Okay. I thought they did. Yeah. yeah. So those are the kind of things that are clearly on people's radar, and it speaks to what you're talking about. What Biden actually came out and said, I'm, "I support police." Donald Trump is the one who wants to defund them. Mm-hmm. They know. They know they're on the ropes. Yeah, I, I don't. They're not behaving to me. Right. I mean, the way that they're walking back some of their most incendiary language, it, it just doesn't strike me as a group that thinks. They're sitting in the in the position that the Politico Morning Consult poll claims, Aaron. But maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, and another indication of that is well, you mentioned that Atlantic story. That's obviously an obvious coordinated attempt to get Trump and and by extension conservative media off message. Another attempt today when uh, when there's a recording of Trump with uh, Bob Woodward, basically parroting Anthony Fauci. Essentially, uh, this morning they're trying to blow that up. So mm-hmm. I'd be looking uh, later today for maybe more bad news for the Biden campaign. What what are they trying to divert attention from today? So how are we going to handle polling the rest of the election? We're going to break that down for you today in the overtime. For the rest of you, we are back again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast right after Glenn Beck. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.